0: Uh, welcome back to the Relentless Podcast. I think this is what nineteen or twenty, something like that. I am Mike Fraunfelder and back again with Seth Wistoff, and we are continuing our series uh, on leadership through First uh, Timothy chapter two. Or yeah, First Timothy chapter two. We were in chapter one last week, and. Uh, Last week, if you were with us, we started something just a little bit different. We started walking verse by verse through one book of the Bible, because in 1 Timothy, we see Paul's instruction to a young pastor or a young leader, and we just see all kinds of principles that we want to share with you. So the first two weeks, last week and then the week before, as we talked about leadership, uh, we define leadership as influence and influence. Uh, leadership is influence, but today we want to take it a step further and say that uh, leaders are role models. Um, when I was a kid, and I'm kind of dating myself now, but uh, Charles Barkley was big in the early 90s, and he had many shoe camp, uh, shoe campaigns, and all different types of endorsements and things of that nature. But I remember one of the Nike commercials. It ended where Charles Barkley was saying, I'm not a role model. And I remember thinking how cool that that particular commercial was. But the older I got, the more I thought about it. And I thought, that's just silly because leaders are role models. Charles Barkley was trying to convey this idea that just simply wasn't true. No matter where he goes or what he does, the things that he uh, engages in, are going to influence people, which by definition makes him a leader. So with that being said, leaders are role models. And for us as coaches, for us as dads, for us as employees, God's given us this tremendous opportunity to be able to lead. But the question is, how is it that we are going to lead? What kind of role model are we to other people? Because we are going to lead. We're going to lead in a positive way or we're going to lead in a negative way. And while Charles Barkley is a uh, a negative example, just in the sense of that commercial, um, Dave Wistoff, Seth's dad, is a positive example.
1: You know, and he's been coaching for uh, over 40 years now. (laughs) And we were just talking before this, how many people he's had the opportunity to influence. And He's coached volleyball, he's coached track, he's helped with basketball, he's been a football coach, uh, he coached uh, t-ball and baseball in the summers, and pretty much every everybody that lived in Powers Lake for somewhere between 1975 and, and 2001 uh, came in contact with him in some sort of role of coaching, and then uh, he was in Glenburn from uh, 2001 to present, and so he's He's had two different communities that he's heavily impacted, uh, but what he's done in all of that uh, is he's been a role model. He's been somebody uh, that people can look up to. He was a huge role model for me uh, in propelling me into being successful in sports, um, to uh, trying to do my best in the classroom, uh, to trying to be a good father uh, to my kids and a good husband to my wife. And he set an example for all of that. And sometimes I feel a little bit spoiled uh, that that I had that example to refer to in every situation, and and I wouldn't say that he was perfect, uh, but he would admit that he wasn't perfect too, and that's another um, just an example of of him doing the right thing and admitting that we're that we're all sinners and that we're all saved by grace and that we all fall short sometimes.
0: So as God begins to prepare us to be leaders and step into that um, that capacity as a role model, Timothy is experiencing the same thing. Paul is preparing him to be able to lead a church, to be a leader as a pastor. And in chapter 2, he lays out three things we want to share with you um, today. The first is in verses 1 and 2, Paul says to Timothy that leaders model preparation. So let's uh, turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm just going to read the first couple of verses here it says i urge you then first of all with petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made uh, on behalf of all people for kings and for those who are in authority that we may live or may live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and holiness and in this passage what paul is laying out to this uh, this son in the faith, is that he has this responsibility, and that's to model preparation for those who God has charged him to lead. And as we look at that idea of modeling preparation, what we see is that prayer is essential in building relationships. Because we see two relationships uh, at play in this passage. First, his relationship with God. And, And for any leader, you know That there are going to be days that are really, really difficult that you don't have the answers for. You know, I can't imagine what it's been like for Seth over the past two months trying to rethink education on the fly. You know, I'm sure that's been fun. Um, But as a pastor, you know, trying to uh, keep people connected during quarantine has been a difficult thing, but it's been an exciting thing because I've had to seek the Lord in it. I couldn't just rely on everything that I've known and and how I've operated for, what, 18 years in ministry. I had to rely on him. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to seek God in your prayers. And I think oftentimes, when we consider prayer, we consider it this obligation—it's one of the things that we've got to check off the list. Did I pray today? Check, got that done. But prayer is really this opportunity where we grow in our relationship with God. And when we, when we don't dive into that, it's at, its to our loss.
1: Yeah, I was kind of convicted of this even this week, uh, as I was going out running. I've been uh, trying to get uh, in shape during this quarantine and trying not to put on the, the COVID-19. And uh, in doing that, I've been listening to podcasts and listening to music while I run, uh, but this last uh, week I was really convicted about my prayer life and, and whether I had really spent any time getting to know God, and, and that's that preparation piece that... Uh, for me just really kind of jumped off the page and it said hey Seth you're not you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing uh, in this so uh, that's it's so fitting that all these things just fit together
0: so god tells Timothy and he tells Seth and he tells me and he's telling you that our first step in preparation as a leader is to prepare a heart through prayer but also that preparation uh, extends to not just our relationship with god but our relationship with one another because the text goes on and it says um Offer up intercession and thanksgiving uh, to be made to God on behalf of all people, uh, for kings and for rulers in authorities, and that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. What he's saying is that our relationship with God will directly spill over into our relationship with other people. So if we are right with the Lord, if we are seeking him in prayer, we're seeking him in devotion, uh, uh, searching him out in his word to know his heart so we can grow closer to him, then that's going to have a net positive um, effect on our relationship with other people. And that's what he's saying to Timothy. He's like, when you do the work, doing the work to prepare your heart it's going to not only establish a strong foundational relationship with me, but it's gonna uh, it's going to build strong relationships with other people.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know when we when we take a kind of just take a step back and look at that that preparation piece, you know, becomes so important in in all areas of our life. And you know, when we were talking about it before, you know, we were kind of just brainstorming about different people that who we feel have given this this high level of preparation into mm-hmm. their lives outside of uh, just their spiritual life.
0: Yeah, and uh, Tim Tebow is a guy that both of us talked about because as far as athleticism is concerned, yeah, he is a division one athlete, but as far as division one athletes are concerned, you know, he's middle of the pack, but what made him extraordinary was his ability to lead and what helped him become a leader, how he prepared his heart. He, he he went before the lord and was committed fully and holy to the lord in prayer does that mean he's perfect no and he would tell you that but because of his commitment to god and that strong foundation that he had he launched out and built relationships with other people and there's this great illustration of that in urban meyer's book it's called above the line and he talks about the best leaders he's ever been around and tim tebow is right at the top And he he talked about the 80-20 rule. An 80-20 rule is this, that there is um, 20% of the people on your team, in your your school, in your corporation, in your place of work, do the work of the other 80%. And uh, he found that to be true on his football team. And Tim Tebow was one of that 20%. And he would show up at 5 o'clock every morning waiting for the weight room to be unlocked. But he would be alone and they would watch him work out, and he was just an animal. He would just get after it because he wanted to perfect himself so that he could be a benefit to other people, and finally, he and the strength coach, Mickey Marotti, said, Tim, uh, we applaud you for showing up every every morning at 5 a.m. and how hard you work. Uh, we praise you for that, but you are not allowed back in this gym unless you bring somebody else with you, and so the first person that he brought was another person in that 20%, a high achiever, somebody who was, who was uh, internally driven. And he said he stopped him and he said, you guys are not allowed back in this gym unless you bring somebody from the 80%. Somebody who doesn't know what it looks like to be a high achiever. Somebody who doesn't do the work uh, to make sure that they're prepared, both uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And for you to get back into this gym, you've got to bring one or two of them with and so he started to do that. And then the other 20 percenters started to do that. And what they saw was that that 80-20 rule that people just commonly accept as just baseline fact, they began to see that they didn't have an 80-20 rule. They had a 40-60. And then when they got to the national championship, 50-50, 50% of their guys were high achievers that were bringing the best out of other people because they were preparing themselves. That's yeah. incredible.
1: You know, and when you look at those college teams, the level of talent, uh, it varies some, uh, but but not nearly what we think, and not nearly what we see on Saturdays when, when we watch that. What we see of the teams that rise to the top are the teams that are tapping into that potential, the teams that are putting in that preparation to do that. You know, and then what we looked at <clears throat> in verses the 3 through 6 is... Um, that leaders are going to model service. And so picking up in verse 3, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. So here we get this idea of... Of leadership being a spot of service and they give the example of jesus being a ransom for all men you know jesus throughout his entire life had every opportunity to bring himself prominence and fame and uh, to bring glory to to himself in a worldly fashion but he didn't do that you know, he went to the religious leaders, who the, these pompous guys who think that they have everything figured out. And he said, you know what, how you guys are doing things is not what God has set out for us. And then he went to the tax collectors and the sinners who people didn't think that he should associate with at all. And he said, you know what, come to me and, and I'll give you life and I'll give you a life everlasting and, and he, he did everything that lowered his status on earth. And, and these, the Jews were expecting this Messiah to come and be this you know, powerful leader and this political genius and everything like that and to raise them up here on earth. Uh, but, but he didn't have that in mind because his mission was a lot different. The preparation that he had done had set him up for this life of service. And all he did throughout his whole ministry was raise people up that were in the depths.
0: And like Jesus, leaders do model what service looks like. And one of the things that... um gets me fired up when i think about jesus is just the consistency in his life because that's what i want for myself which is lacking to be quite honest but there and the consistency i'm talking about is this consistency between word and deed if jesus said that he was going to do something he did it not just most of the time but all of the time uh when when he called people to faith they saw faith in him. That's what motivated them. And like or like Seth was talking about with whether he's talking about the, the elite who uh, he was confronting or those who were lowly, he got the most out of the least of these, which as a coach... You think, man, if I could get myself to that place where I'm taking the guy who's at the end of the bench and getting the most out of him, helping him maximize his ability so that he finds success and at least a team success, man, I'm doing my job. And I just think that's what the best coaches do. And that's what you see Jesus do here. It's just incredible. But the third part that we want to share with you about um, leaders being role models is that leaders also model purpose. Let's pick it up in verse seven through ten. It says, "And for this purpose, I have, I was appointed as a herald and as apostle, and I am telling the truth; I am not lying, and it, and a truth, or and a true and faithful teacher to the Gentiles. Therefore, I want all men, everywhere, to pray." lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not adorning themselves, um, not with elaborate hairstyles or with gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for a woman who professes uh, worship of God. What we see here is this picture of our purpose That God has passed on to us is to honor him by honoring other people. And he says, I want all men everywhere to pray. And and how is it that people learn how to pray? How is it that people learn how to follow Jesus? Because, you know, in the United States of America, what's the literacy rate? We didn't look this up. Is it safe to say 90% of people can read? 95%. So 95% of people can read. Okay. So they don't need me to read this to them. But what they do need is to see how we take these words off the page, apply them to a life, and how that works out in everyday life. You know, one of the greatest benefits I've had as a believer in Jesus is to see other men and how they live. Dave Westhoff, Lou Hildreth, um, Chuck Oberfield. Uh, and and the guys go on and on. These guys who showed me as a young believer how to take the words off of the page and live it out, how to be a godly father, how to be a godly husband, how to be a godly employee, how to be a, a coach who wants to honor God by bringing the best out of the players that are entrusted to him. So our purpose as leaders is to live a life of purpose, and that life of purpose is to honor the people that are in front of us. And that looks differently in different circumstances sometimes that means me coming alongside and putting an arm around and encouraging somebody sometimes that means me pushing them because there's i see more in them than they see in themselves sometimes it's me just being quiet and listening Um, but whatever form or fashion um uh uh, that need finds itself uh, the purpose remains to honor people and um and, uh, that's what the, the call that, uh, Paul gives to Timothy and that's a call that God gives to us.
1: Yeah. And, and, the how you talked about kind of differentiating between how people need to be responded, and that, that's the way that we can honor them. The way that we can honor them, you know, is, is really by getting to know them mm-hmm. and, you know, teaching is the, is the same way in that, uh, you know, some some, te- some students need to be taught a certain way, and others need to be, you know, a, have a strict hand over them. Others need to be given um, a lot of chances, and it's our job as as Christians to get to know the people around us and how we can support them. Uh, as as coaches and professionals, it's you know to get to know our athletes and to get to know our students so that we can you know, we can step in and we can effectively help them and and to serve them and to to show them what our purpose uh, truly is you know i've been i've been uh, visiting with a young man from our community this last week and what you're saying with the taking the words off the page and taking them to heart that's what we've been talking about this whole week. Uh, we've been reading through Proverbs and and that's something that he's he's struggled with at times and and trying to understand and even to process, you know, what's going on in the Bible. He, you know, he, he made the comment this week. I don't like that the Bible is a book you can pick up and start reading anywhere. You know, but that's that's how he's thought about it, because he thinks you have to understand everything that happened in the old testament to to get the new testament. Now I think that that's great if you yep. can, but but it doesn't have to happen because the story of Jesus is is what this is all about, mm-hmm. and that story of Jesus is throughout you know the entire scripture.
0: Now, one of the leaders I had the privilege to coach, his name's Hunter Rodin. I hope Hunter is watching. Uh, I know he watches, but uh, Hunter um, is the best leader I've ever had the opportunity to coach, and, and here's why: no matter what we were doing. Whether it's in the weight room, whether it's um, uh, conditioning, whether it's going through a walkthrough, whether it's Friday night, uh, whether he's on the basketball court in the classroom, he raises the standard for everybody there. Why? Because he understands, even as a teenager, which is what makes him exceptional, that he's a role model. And he embraces that so many times when young people especially, but even adults, when they find themselves in a leadership role, uh, they take the Barkley approach. They're like, I, I don't want I don't, I to be a role model. Don't look at me because you're going to see the flaws. But for Hunter, he understood that you're going to see the flaws, but you're also going to see Jesus working in and through him. And you go man for man of every guy who ever played with him, no matter what sport you're talking about, they rave about him. Because he cared about people. He invested in them. Just like we talked about a leader models purpose and he honors other people. A leader models service where his words and deeds match. He was consistent and a leader is uh, uh, relentless in his preparation. That is Hunter Rodine, Not just on the athletic field, but in life and in faith. And uh, I know I only got the opportunity to spend a year with him. But as a year I'll never forget. And it's a year that pushed me as a grown man uh, to uh, consider my walk with the Lord. And if I'm doing the same things that this teenager is doing.
1: Yeah. And so as, as we've talked about all of this, leaders are truly role models. and And this can be a challenge that we can take and say, Um, I'm going to lead the way that God has called me to or I'm going to just slide by and and let things let things fall by the wayside and not take uh, my role as a leader seriously. But the the best example of leadership we have anywhere um, is of Christ Jesus and uh, he lived this perfect life and and he died a death that he didn't deserve and while he was here. You know, he said that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that doesn't mean that that we're not going to die from our from the world, okay? And that uh, that our life here on earth is not going to come to an end. But but what that means is that we can live um, a spiritual life of eternity in heaven after we die. And and what he's what he's done here is he's given us. The option to do that and that option is to to receive him as your lord and to put your faith and trust in him and to rely on him because in in the in the scripture it says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and the wages of sin is death but that gift of god is eternal life and jesus talked about it and paul talked about it and john talks about it in revelation of this this eternity that we can spend with him and, and so as we're all wrapped up in the, the fear of, of death that may come from COVID or may come from um, you know an oppressive government or World War Three anything that uh, your mind can spin to uh, right now, our eternity can be solidified by making a decision to follow Christ. And it's not something that, uh, that Jesus is going to come and and I always smack you over the head and say, this is how you got to do it. Yeah, but it's going to come from you responding to that call. Uh, in Revelation 3.20, he says, he says to a church that has, has kind of stepped away from him, I stand at the door and knock. And if any of you hears me and uh, comes and answers the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. And that's that opportunity for us to live in the presence of God for the rest of eternity. So if you've never made a decision to follow Christ with your life, I, I challenge you to think about that. And I challenge you to pick up the scripture and to, to read what it says. And I challenge you um, to make a decision to follow him with your whole life. And not just to make a decision because you want to punch your ticket, but to make a decision because you want to change your life and you want to live like the greatest leader that ever did. So That
0: was a pretty cool thought, Seth. I mean, when and you said, and I don't know that I've ever quite thought about it like that, where you said we can solidify our eternity, but get a taste of glory here and now walking with him. I mean, that's incredible. He just preached. Listen, all right? Um, Thank you guys for joining us again. Um, If you like this, please, please, please share it. If you don't like it, please share it with somebody that you don't like so that the world can come to know the Lord Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for the Relentless Podcast. We'll be back here same time next week. Uh, Hope to see you then. God bless.